Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to the Rare Petro Podcast. And also, I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of 2021. We did it, everybody. We made it this far. Rare Petro is still here. We're glad you're still here listening. Congratulations. Let's make this a big year. So we're getting back into the swing of things, of course. What are your New Year's resolutions? I mean, if you have any, please comment. Let us know. We'd love to engage with you. We'll always talk about how we make this content so that we can grow and learn. So let's work together, keep holding ourselves accountable, and keep moving forward within this wonderful industry. But enough of that. I love the pep talks, but I know what you came here for. We're going to jump right into the statistics and then some stories for the start of the year. So first of all, as far as 2021 goes, oil prices have been pretty volatile. Sometime between late last night and early this morning, prices topped out at $49.53, and then they spent the next few hours falling all the way to $47.63. It's not uncommon to see violent changes as markets begin to open for the week, as we have seen in the past, but a $2 spread does seem to be rather dramatic. I would anticipate that the prices will spend today climbing back into the low to mid $48 range, but it is simply my speculation. Keep your eyes peeled as $50 oil could be arriving much sooner than the world initially predicted. As for the rig count, we've got a three-rig increase in the U.S. Thankfully, short weekly bumps upward have become a regular occurrence. I was thinking this new year might present a small hiccup the same way we saw prices buck, but it seems that there's enough upward pressure to drive up that total. It still leaves us down 403 on the year, but expect to see that difference decrease. Things initially got bad last year from those disagreements between Saudi Arabia and Russia, so that yearly difference is going to fall because, well, (laughs) you remember what happened about the end of quarter one in 2020. Either way, good increase, and of course we saw two of those three go up in the Permian, so nothing totally out of the ordinary here. Lastly, those inventories. Remember that horrid 15 million barrel build a few weeks ago? Well, we've been slowly chipping away, but I I tell you, I was almost afraid to look at the most recent reports for this week. Both the EIA and API predicted just over a 2 million barrel draw coming off the holidays. Fingers crossed, on the 29th, the API reports a 4.7 million barrel draw, and one day later, the EIA claimed a 6 million barrel draw. 6 million barrels down is absolutely fantastic. Sure, that recent build sours it quite a bit, but... The EIA hasn't reported a draw this large since the first week of November 2020, so really that is something to be thankful for, and like we always say, a step in the right direction. Fantastic. So, all stats considered, prices, recount, and inventories are headed to great places. Sort of reminds me of finding a Christmas present from your grandma that slipped behind the bookshelf, only for it to turn up when all the decorations come down. So, good start to the year, and fingers crossed for these trends continuing far into the future. A happy start to the new year indeed. But that wraps up our statistics, and it is definitely time to jump into the biggest stories of the week. So things have been a little bit slow through the holidays. I know I've had some time off, and I imagine you have too. So people are definitely getting, like I said, back into the swing of things. I'm going to try and deliver the most important finds that I could scrounge up. For those of you who have been with us a while, you'll probably remember that one of the central themes of the Monday Madness podcast in 2020 really revolved around both Iran and sanctions from the United States, so it's only right and fitting that our first story of 2021 is similar. Because the U.S. has sanctions against Iranian oil, anyone who is on good terms with the U.S. will likely refuse to trade with Iran. You already know how Iran feels about the U.S., but what about South Korea? Well, 
When the U.S. first imposed these sanctions, South Korea attempted to honor them and froze Iranian oil revenue in South Korean banks until the sanctions were lifted. Well, as you can imagine, Iran losing access to revenue generated in oil sales pissed them off as they don't have a lot of other ways to generate money for the country, like a lot of other countries in the Middle East. Basically, South Korea said, we'll get this to you when we're allowed to because they are trying to appease the United States. So, it has been two years since this kicked off, and relations have been declining the entire time. Well, that brings us to today, 2021, and very recently, a South Korean oil tanker was seized in the Strait of Hormuz, one of the most active straits in the world as it leads to the Persian Gulf, which borders many of the largest Middle Eastern oil producers. The tank was carrying ethanol from a port in Saudi Arabia to one in the UAE, likely to mix with fuel. The Islamic Revolution Guard Corps, an organization that the U.S. has identified as a foreign terrorist organization in 2019, vaguely accused the Korean vessel of polluting and ushered it into an Iranian port. No idea where the story goes from here as it's still very fresh and tensions are high, but foreign relations between Iran and a lot of the world have been strained thanks to these U.S. sanctions amongst many other factors. This will likely be an important topic for the president-elect, as Iran certainly wants the U.S. to enter into a renewed nuclear deal and also wants to have those sanctions lifted. 2021 will definitely be the year of foreign relationships. And speaking of those foreign relations, let's touch real quick on China. If Iran is not the priority for the new administration, it will certainly be China. Iraq seems to be eager to engage in business cooperation with China, as it has just sealed a massive business deal that left them with a much-desired $2 billion cash injection. Prepaid oil deals, like the one that just went down, are quite popular right now as many OPEC countries are doing their best to cut production now in hopes of stimulating better prices. This means that the next available option that they have, well, the next best at least, is to try to arrange a premium on projected prices that is high enough to garner a deal for the seller, yet low enough that the purchaser feels it could be a good deal. If you think about it, it's a lot like futures pricing really, but rather than going through the exchange service or other markets, governments are reaching out to each other across the aisle to set up these transactions. Now, I'd like to look at the other end of the deal. So we've got, of course, Iran preemptively selling oil, but who's receiving it? Well, we said China, but who specifically in China? While the purchasing entity was not initially revealed through the deal, plenty of research has been conducted and it shows that it's likely Zhenhua, which is a division of the state-owned defense corporation who operates at 120,000 barrels per day. This would be a lot like if Lockheed Martin was owned by the government and purchased a massive amount of oil up front from the Middle East, so I'm surprised this hasn't generated more buzz in the news, but <laughs> hey, what do I know about the intentions of Chinese-owned defense corporations purchasing mass quantities of oil from the Middle East? And like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, some of the news has been kind of slow as we transition into the new year. Yeah, that's to be expected. So this next piece, not necessarily foreign relations, not necessarily domestic things either, Really? Well, I guess you could consider it international. I usually write these scripts uh, up front so that I can record, have an idea of what points I want to talk about, but this one I'm going to be going off the top a little bit in response to an article that was published yesterday by the New York Times. So, of course, there's been plenty of doom and gloom in the news for oil and gas recently, and the New York Times published an article titled A Slap in the Face, The Pandemic Disrupts Young Oil Careers, and, you know, something I'm passionate about as <laughs> I'm a young oil professional, I graduated in the middle of this, so I definitely had some thoughts on it. The article goes through a bunch of different students that were interviewed for this piece, all at various stages in their career. 
The first subject of the article, Sabrina Burns, who is a senior at the University of Texas. Now, the article claims she thought she would be launching a lucrative career in the oil and gas industry. I'm not sure if those were her words or the sensationalization of the writer when she graduated, you know, in May. But unfortunately, she said, we got a slap in the face, an entirely unforeseen situation that rocked our entire mindset. Now, a slap in the face to me implies that it's somebody's fault and that we were wronged, and I don't know. It's easy for me to say now that I graduated and have a job, but this wasn't instigated by any one real entity. I mean, it came off the backs of the price disagreements and coronavirus, so while it is bad, it's not necessarily anyone's fault. So I can understand how people would be upset, but I don't think that is the right response. She's likely going to continue to go to school and study for her master's in environmental science, and this is a complete switch in career trajectories that, well, some of the people we've interviewed have warned against. Sure, we're always going to advocate here at Rare Petro to continue to learn, to continue to grow your skill set, but it's just going to be that much harder to get into the industry if you can bail on it now. I mean, another one of the students they mentioned, Mr. Miles Arvey, who is a senior at the University of Houston, hoped to follow in his father's footsteps and, well, be an accountant, do some financial sort of work for an oil and gas company, but now he's completely pivoted. He's going to work for a world bank, and he says he just wants no part in the industry. I mean, these are all valid responses. A problem presents itself, people come up with solutions. But I'd like to point you to an interview that we did with Tim Marcus. If you haven't seen that, it was one of the earlier industry leader spotlight interviews, which you can find by searching M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z on rarepetro.com, or simply searching industry leader spotlight, you'll find it. But he said, if you really are passionate about the industry, which is something that I feel I am, you're going to find a way to make it work. If you're passionate about energy, he said, hold a job in construction, start serving. Maybe the serving solution isn't as good right now with coronavirus as fewer and fewer people dine out, but you find a way to make it work, and that's what I like to think I'm doing. It's very easy for us to feel like we're the victims of something terrible that's happened, and I, I almost feel bad even speaking about this because I'm in a great place compared to a lot of people who I graduated with uh, all across the nation, really, but this downturn will not last forever. If we are passionate, we're going to find a way to make it work, so please, I encourage you. Continue to get those new skill sets, but don't bail on the industry. If you really like it, then you can stay. I'm excited for the rest of 2021. I just wanted to bring up this article because it was a bit pessimistic, but really, I think there's hope. The numbers that we put out show that there's hope. I'm excited. 2021 is going to be a good year, hopefully breaking into 2022 even better. So let's hope this is the start of, well, a new age for energy. Definitely the transition, but definitely not the death of oil and gas. But that... That is all. I will get off the soapbox. That ends the episode. As always, please follow us on all of our platforms. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can go to rarepetro.com to see all of the other content we produce and subscribe to that. But until we see you next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>